Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one incredible, life-affirming page of Talmud each day. So we are continuing Tractate Shabbat's long and strange disquisition on the subject of the private and public domain and what can and cannot be carried and by whom and removed and reinserted. And it's a whole big to-do. But today we find a really kind of strange and wonderful little bit among the reams of legalistic considerations. And I'd like to share it with you. One who was reading a sacred book in scroll form on Shabbat, on an elevated wide threshold, you know, like we all do, and the book rolled from his hand outside and into the public domain. He may roll it back to himself, since one of its ends is still in his hand. However, if he was reading on top the roof, which is a full-fledged private domain, and the book rolled from his hand, as long as the edge of the book did not reach 10 handbreadths above the public domain, the book is still in its own area, and he may roll it back to himself. However, once the book has reached within 10 handbreadths above the public domain, he is prohibited to roll it back to himself. In that case, he may only turn it over onto the side with writing, so that the writing of the book should face down and should not be exposed and degraded. And we discuss this halacha, why must he turn it over onto the side with writing? And he is prohibited to bring the book back to himself? Didn't the book not yet come to rest upon a defined area in the public domain? Even if he brought it back, it would not constitute lifting. This is a long and strange paragraph. But something about it really spoke to me because it has to do with a love of books. Something I share with my next guest, well, say, I love all the guests we've had on the show, but I love this one the most. Hello to Lisa Ann Sandel, author, children book editor, and my wife. Hello. Hi, Liel. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for joining me here around our dinner table <laughs> in our home uh, late at night when our kids are sleeping. And so, Lisa, there are a lot of things that we see eye to eye on. It's why we're married. We share a lot of views and a lot of ideas and a lot of ideals. There is one thing that I don't think you'll mind uh, me telling our listeners that we absolutely do not agree on, and that is the way we treat books. Now, in today's <laughs> stuff of the Talmud, we heard about why it's important to protect the book. If you see a scroll falling, turn it so that it's writing, the side with the writing will not be exposed and degraded. Tell our listeners, what, what do you do to books, Lisa? <laughs> I do dog ear my books. And I know it bothers you very much. However, what I really loved about this passage was that it showed how much we are to esteem and value and respect books. And as an editor and a writer, I love books. Books are my life. And when I'm reading and enjoying and living with a book, I start to see it as a friend, a loved one, and something that I can be familiar with. And so I do fold over the corners of pages. It becomes physical to you. It has a physical presence. You, Absolutely. You, you, you touch it as, as if it had, you know, a body. 
You also write in margins, which is another thing that drives me insane. <laughs> yes, I do. Which is another reason why I own a, a double copy of so many books that we already own. Um, when you read something like today's page, which really is an inspiring meditation on the sacred value of books. I mean, granted, it speaks of sacred scrolls, but those of us who love books, I mean, I think we treat every book as some kind of sacred scroll. Um, does that make you feel closer to books in a way that makes you want to kind of embody them more, scribble more, dog ear more, hold them, carry them, fold them, kind of have them part of your life or being? Or does that stop and make you meditate that if the rabbis were so careful that they wouldn't even expose the written words to the sun because that degrades them and puts them in some sort of public domain that makes them less sacred? Maybe you two should maybe be a little <laughs> bit more careful with our books. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's an interesting question. Um, I take care of my books in my way. I don't like to get them dirty. I don't like them to be exposed to sunlight. I, I try not to, you know, spill water on them. Um, so I guess I do make a subconscious distinction between the scribbling marginalia and folding pages lovingly and doing other things to desecrate texts. But it is interesting because I don't think I would write in a sidor. So that is another distinction that I make. Um, between a holy text and a more pedestrian text. Let's talk for a bit about taking books out to the public domain. This is something that we've kind of lost because so many of us read now on Kindles and iPhones and you know machines where you can't see the text. But there's a certain pleasure, isn't there, walking around the subway, say, and just looking at all the titles that everyone reads, right? Getting a little glimpse into the world. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun to see what people are reading. I never hesitate to look over someone's shoulder to see what, what they've got. I also like to travel with books. I'm, you and I are both Luddites of a kind and don't read on e-readers. Um, and I actually have books that I have traveled with, and, and they're even more special to me and more beloved. Give us one example. God, that's hard. Um, I have my mother's copy of For Whom the Bell Tolls, which I took to Spain, which I took to Israel, which has been crisscrossing continents with me since I was a teenager. And there's there's just something very meaningful about it to me. This act of taking a book from your very private domain of your family's library, of your family's history, into the very public domain of travel. When you do this, do you feel like the book kind of protects you a little bit? It kind of is a way for you to carry a little bit of you wherever you go in like talisman form? That's really interesting. Yeah, I think maybe that is the case. And because I, I do like to write notes in the margins of my books, I, I it also becomes a sort of living record and, and breathing document. Which hopefully you will not be rereading on top of a very tall, inclined wall on Shabbat anytime soon. <laughs> I, I hope not. Lisa Ann Sandel, thank you so much for being my wife and for being our guest. And um, thank you for agreeing not to dog gear your books anymore. <laughs> I don't think I agreed to that, but thank you very much again for having me. Hallelujah. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. 
Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of Reading Daf Yomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Josh, your mic stand is wiggy. Just tighten it. That's good. Um, which is why I own... Lila! No, Shut your kibble hole. Lila, this, is, this, is, this is all for you, Josh. <laughs>